and welcome back to sci-fi cross-sections i'm back your boy your host your lovable loser yep. uh today we are talking about the last of us that uh huge hit sci-fi game from 2013 is it even a sci-fi game yes yes it's 100 percent. then well that's what we're going to talk about today yeah, yeah clearly so. you okay. know it's funny because i i was like colin's not going to finish this because he won't even read a one issue comic book that i gave him <laughs> and i'm obviously you didn't finish it because you would know it's sci-fi yeah <laughs> you know somehow with the mustache your glaring looks are worse well, um i feel i feel worse yeah uh but that's not my intent um all right so came out in 2013 on playstation 3 uh developed by naughty dog and produced by well sony it was a uh distributed by sony but yeah, it's they first... threw money at it. Sony threw the right. Well, distribution. That's why I would say. Yeah. Okay. Right, published. Okay. Uh, so written by Neil Druckmann, which yes. I hate that last name so much. Oh, he's but great. He's awesome. We've uh, we've all come to love Neil Druckmann games. Uh, Uncharted one, three, four, five. He did not do two, which is interesting, because that's arguably. The one of the best ones. The best ones. But I actually didn't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I could be wrong, but I was looking it up, and that was that was missing. It was Uncharted two. Interesting. Um, aside from that, he's obviously doing The Last of Us two. Mm. So Uncharted was actually his first time writing video games. Before that, he was just uh, a designer for the games. So yep. that's pretty dope. Um. I did. Who else directed it? I missed that. <laughs> was it someone of note? Uh, Bruce Straley. I'm not sure who that is. Is he important? Uncharted. He was a okay co-director. So basically, these these guys' careers are kind of tied together. Okay, right. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, Neil is directing The Last of Us Two alone, as far as I know. Yeah. So I mean, that just kind of goes to show, like. The brains behind the operation. No offense to Staley. But <laughs> oh, he's uh, like, offense taken. Like, sci fi cross actions is going down. Um, Who's here, by the way? Oh, yeah. I guess we can go around the cast. Jason. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Oh, okay. Uh, we are missing quite a few people. Uh, I mean, we're really just missing one. <laughs> People go. have already forgotten about the Bakers. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a low attention span medium, guys. I've they, never forgotten about them. I just said their name and people are like, who? Who's the Bakers? Who? I don't even know who you're talking about. They're on an existential journey across America in an Airstream trailer. That is something. To find themselves. That was so specific. I love it. It's true. I just talked to them right before the cast. So. Oh, nice. I had no idea. Uh, just so you know, the... Directors for Last of Us Two are also Anthony Newman and Kurt uh, Marginau or Marginau, oh, however you want enough. to say it. Not familiar with either of their works. Fair enough. Yeah. So, in fact, he didn't even solo write it. There's also a Haley Gross wrote I, it with him. I knew about her. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it came out in 2013. Wildly successful. In fact, I don't think it got a score lower than nine out of ten. Honestly, most of them were 10 out of 10. It was very well received. With yes. good reason. Very well and received. Obviously, when something is received so well and did so well in sales, it, it did very well in sales, uh, they immediately ported it over to the PlayStation 4. 
within its first couple months, I believe, of its release, the council's release. So before I, I, I throw it over to Ben, well, I guess, actually, Ben, if you want to give a synopsis, or Bill, one of you two. Oh, no, I wasn't going to give a synopsis. I just wanted yeah, to do one, one, one addendum you. on it. Uh, GameSpot and Polygon can burn in hell because they gave it 8 out of 10. So, wow. Wow. GameSpot. Polygon and their SJW. So I saw the Polygon score being I'm that kidding. low, and I'm I was kidding. like, I'm assuming it was just uh, the McElroy's being uh, McElroy's when they scored it. I'm sure they were they the didn't. Ones. They didn't own Polygon then, did they? They were... Uh, two of the Macros were co-founders of. Oh, that's stupid. Polygon, yeah. Hey, oh, wait, I, no, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. I love you guys. Please, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to our lords and and gods of podcasts, the Macros, for saying that. You are great, and you have done no wrong. You know they they've left Polygon ever since they became so big with podcasting. But I wonder if they're still collecting paychecks. I'm sure they are. Yeah. They're co-founders. Anyway. Why don't I tell you what this game's about, in case you've been living under a rock? <clears throat> 20 years after a fungal infection obliterated most of the U.S. population and turned the victims into infected monstrosities, Joel is tasked with escorting Ellie, a little girl, to the Fireflies to help reverse-engineer a cure. However, this isn't easy for either of them, since Joel has been left almost permanently bitter after the death of his daughter, and Ellie is distrusting of him. And also the cure to all of this, so I forgot to, to throw that in there, but uh, yes, Ellie being a cure to the fungal cordyceps disease is escorted across country by Joel. And that's the story, really. There's really nothing else to, to talk about, um, so yeah, no, I guess it's not okay. Could Could you do me one favor, though? I want you to lean back into that mic and in that voice that you were doing when you first started out reading. Can you say fungal infection again, please? Fungal infection. Good enough. All right. You like that? Fungal mm -hmm. infection. So you, you mentioned Joel and Ellie. Uh, Joel played by Troy Baker, who has probably the longest list of voice acting I've ever seen. But this is like, he, so he's, he's always worked and he's always done great shit. But this was like his big thing, as far as I remember. Like everyone was like, uh, Nolan North, Nolan North, Nolan North, because of his performance as Nathan in Uncharted. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved him. And then... Troy Baker comes out and people knew his name, but it was like Troy Baker, like, okay. And holy shit. Oh, he's great. He's, he's incredible. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the Nathan Drake because uh, he plays Sam Drake. Yes. Uncharted. So, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought he did a phenomenal job in that game. I'm glad, Ben, you pressured me to play those games for as long as you did. And I finally did. I have they to were... pressure you to do anything good. Otherwise, you just play Overwatch all day. Some of the things that he's done... Uh, actually, he was in the recent release of Death Stranding. Uh, I didn't get the character name, but he's in that. Oh, I forget it. I haven't... Higgs. Wait, Higgs, thank Higgs. you. Wait. It is Higgs. Yeah. Are, are you talking about... Troy Norman, Baker. Are you talking about Norman Reedus and the Funky Fetus? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that uh, in there. I'll do Death Stranding if you guys want. I'm like... Well, that's, how, that's on the it. list in the future. It's it's on the list, but we're waiting until like January future, we're because get that. people need to finish uh, the first cut. He's also so. coming up in the Avengers game as Bruce Banner, and he's also played Jason Todd in the Arkham games. So yeah. those are some things for reference in case yeah. anyone cares. And then we also have the wonderful Ashley Johnson playing Ellie. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I am a big fan of Ashley Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like didn't know her name until this i you know like i know ashley johnson's been in the industry too forever 
but this was definitely for me what kind of brought her to my attention and i don't know the sheer powerhouse and the emotional performances that both her and troy bring and how they play off of each other is just it's really something else. It's not something that you found in video games before that. So, all right. So let's let's dive into this. I want to I want to know why this is sci-fi. Well, first of all, I think anything post-apocalypse is under the sci-fi umbrella. It's definitely on the edge. Don't get me wrong, but it's still sci-fi. Like we're not gonna cover the Walking Dead because you know it's and I mean the comics because the TV show doesn't exist. And we're not going to cover like 28 days later, but what makes this especially important to sci-fi and like a lot of the things we've talked about, I think at least is the reason I initially brought it up was the, uh, the question of humanity and the cycle of violence and how far we would go for something, um, be it a cure or just a simple relationship. Um, so that's why it, it kind of worked into a lot of themes of, of podcasts that we had before um, that we talked about. And that's why I initially brought up that. And it was free on PlayStation Plus for the month of October. <laughs> <laughs> well, going off that, too, the thing that struck me when I first was playing through Last of Us way back when, because I got it day one, you know, I was looking forward to it. Just how plausible the apocalypse is, the fact that they rift off of really a, a fungal infection that exists in the world it doesn't exist in humans it's only been seen in insects and you know ants and stuff but there was a uh, really kind of crazy bbc documentary it wasn't like a planet earth thing but it was very similar to that where they show like an ant colony and a cordyceps spore infecting an, a worker ant and it shows like a time lapse of the ant dying on a leaf and the cordyceps just does basically what it does to the infected humans in the game. It like splits the ants head open and then, you know, it's trying to find its source of light. So that way it can grow and grow more spores. And it's really kind of messed up and almost disturbing if you think about it. And the fact that really it takes that leap that all good sci-fi does and says, well, what if this found some way to evolve into humans and, it's spread, you know, like a disease or like a viral infection. So it does. I think it is sci-fi in that way. It, it asks that question. It takes that leap. But it also is grounded enough and plausible enough to where you kind of sit back and say, well, yeah, that that could happen. Which is why I think it resonated so well with so many folks. That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that kind of does solidify the sci-fi to me because a big point of sci-fi is that the plausibility of it is that like in everything we do, you need to have a center of an anchor in reality and real science. And that's a very good point that you made. Okay. Um, does that answer your question? It does, but I actually <laughs> want to delve further into the lengths that we would go to that you had said yeah. before. Um, so we're kind of just jumping around out of order here, that's but in the, in the final act, the game, we kind of find out that, Ellie was not meant to survive plan that was put in place with getting her to the, the fireflies and um, this, the entire game, it's this journey uh, you're slowly heading out uh, to the West or trying to find where she's going um, only to find out that they want to kill her. They want to cut out a piece of her brain and try to make a cure out of it. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about more of the minutia of the game, but 
we can still get to that, but. Well, yeah, I mean, well, this is the meat of the whole game itself. Not this is the meat of the story. This is the meat of of everything that they're try that they've been building up to, and you can't talk about, in my opinion, anything in the game without referencing this sequence at the end when Joel wakes up in the hospital and learns about what's going to happen. It's the most important sequence because it cements, you know, for the whole time throughout the game, you're you're clued in to who he is as a person, but you you are teased with some capacity for change in him through this bond of a daughter. So so let's jump into that uh, mm-hmm. with what happens to Joel. Um, actually, let's take it from the very beginning. Yeah. So I just went from the end all the way back to the beginning. Uh, we, we get that. Uh, you did that cool, like, we start at the end and then flash back. Right. That's what you did. So we, we go to the, the very beginning when, uh, you know, he's just a single father, young daughter. Uh, when the crisis actually starts to begin, the whole world is falling apart. Explosions, uh, chaos, people... I always love it in horror when you get a large group of people trying to escape an area at once. I even love it better when it's in games and you have to try to find your way through it. So, mm-hmm. you know, they take a couple turns and all of a sudden they're in the city and everything is backed up. And then what, what happens? There's just that massive explosion... Uh, I think a car hits a gas station. Uh, well, they, like everyone just goes like flooding, running down the street, and then you actually start to see what would you call them? The infected. Yeah, like infected. Just the infected. The, the first they are round infected of infected humans. Round. That was fucking sweet. That was a crazy action sequence. But it ultimately leads to um, Joel, Joel, his Joel and his daughter are running down the hill with uh, with um. Wow, why am I blanking on his brother's name? The brother's name, yeah. Help me. No, I am too. Tommy. Thank you. Uh, with Tommy behind, seemingly gone. You thought he sacrificed himself at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, they encounter a soldier who is then presumed to give the orders to not let them leave uh, whatever quarantine zone the military has set up and uh, fires at them, mm-hmm. who, uh, as Joel dodges out of the way, a bullet clips his daughter and kills her. Oh. So that kind of sets up the tone for Joel. That's the first 10 minutes yeah so <laughs> so let me just say i thought that first 10 minutes was just masterful yeah so yeah. that is naughty dog saying we came to play here you go we're not messing around and i think that was to me they had already done some really cool stuff with the uncharted series but that was the paradigm shift yeah that was when naughty dog really came into their own and if they weren't taken seriously before that point as a real hard heavy hitter in the medium, they were after that first 10 minutes because just the way it was structured, the way it, the, the rhythm of that whole first scene kind of flowed where, you know, you're playing as the daughter at first walking around the house. There's a lot of really interesting, like environmental storytelling going on. They're doing a lot of showing and not a lot of telling, which Mm -hmm. is cool. I appreciate that. Uh, you're picking up a lot of these environmental cues like, okay, something's going on. What exactly is going on? And then as you are kind of ushered from plot point to plot point in that sequence, by the time you get to that scene with the soldier, you feel just completely harrowed. You know, you've been through this really intense 10 minutes. You've survived. You've survived, you know, this unknown kind of calamity that's going on. And then... It's another human that ends up depriving our main character of 
the only thing he cares about. So right off the bat, I knew it was going to be an incredible game. After that first 10 minutes, I didn't have any question that yeah. it was going to be rock solid from beginning to end. And it was. So what a great, I mean, just first off, what a great way to start your statement as it were. I mean, just absolutely awesome. I've played it before like you day one and I played it again when it was free in the month of October on PlayStation plus. And I was shocked to find myself still like kind of tearing up in that moment that I knew was coming. I, I knew about it very much. And, but when it came, I was like, Oh man, it still gets me like you, the performances from, from Troy Baker just translate through this medium that, people claim could never have done this in the past, you know, and uh, it, it makes you feel for him. So it makes you understand when the time comes 20 years later and he's doing like awful shit. Like he's, he's killing people. He's heartless. He's clearly self-absorbed in a certain way, but not in like a, in a, it's all about me kind of way and kind of a shut off sort of way. But the point is that um, he is the way he is because of that tragedy. And so we give him the benefit of the doubt going forward. After, even after every questionable thing he does. Until the end, I think, at least I, I, I I've met a lot of edgy people in my life. I've met a lot of edgy gamers in my life and even they can't defend him for what he does at the end so i think that's that says something yeah that actually bill what did what did you say joel what monster or man oh was yeah oh but yeah 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 uh I was, I was like yeah man or monster yeah. yeah that's uh yeah and i mean at the very end he you know through his actions you can see that he's a monster um his rationale in his head is that, you know, he has this intense loss and he is, you know, he is so absorbed by it that he loses touch with reality that he, the only thing that really matters is him fulfilling this fantasy of having a daughter through Ellie. And so, you know, he has this, this regret, this intense regret, and he's atoning for it by doing everything he can to save this girl is his second chance this is his second chance at a good life and killing an entire hospital full of people who are just trying to do their best is the action that he takes in order to you know fulfill this rationale yeah it's kind I, of the funny I, I not funny but kind of the <laughs> irony of it yeah and i think it's important to note also that um he's not trying to fill that void at first mm -hmm. or or is he, and he doesn't want to admit it to himself, you know, he accepts, so originally, just to kind of catch people up, because I'm sure a lot of people are who are listening to this have played this, but haven't played it in a while, because I forgot some things, too, as I was playing through it. Originally, he's working with uh, his friend Tess. Yes. And um, they are working together. Um, they are gun runners, from the sound of it who kind of supply guns to both the terrorist group, the Fireflies, who started this virus, by the way, and the army, who what's left of the army at this point, um, who are kind of the controlling power in this world now. And he and Tess are contracted, or 
are on the hunt for Marlene and the Fireflies who have stolen their guns. And, or no, a guy stole their guns, excuse me. A guy stole their guns and sold them to the Fireflies. They get to the Fireflies and their former co-worker Marlene, who they tell them they need the guns back. Marlene says, fine, but you need to do this for me since I paid all this money for the guns, which is take this girl out of the city. That's all it was at first. It was take her out of the city to the Capitol building, and then my guys will pick her up from there. But they, you know, Joel gets there. Joel and Tess get there with Ellie and find that the guys are dead, and Tess ends up being killed by the military, which is something I just realized is is even more of a of a hit for Joel as he's taken another loved one is taken by these people and you got to wonder how many more before that were taken by these people and um he decides to take Ellie across or uh, as far as Tommy's at first until uh for Tess so he doesn't seem to be doing this out of any sort of um value for Ellie it seems to be mostly a value in Tess which was probably further spurred by the fact that the military were the ones that killed her. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I think they could have explored more is Joel's relationship with Tess. Yeah. I mean, definitely, they're partners in crime, but I wanted to know more of what their relationship kind of was. Um, they didn't expressly say that they were lovers or anything like that. I got they? the sense, though, that there was a history there, but yeah. I think the way that they intentionally kind of kept that part of the story vague I think they did it on purpose because they want you to ask those questions, but their relationship also seemed kind of strained or kind of standoffish in some ways. So like there's maybe some, there is history there, but it's not, it's, it's kind of a fractured relationship in some ways, almost like a relationship of, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Convenience. And like I, they're both kind of, they, they do it to survive. Yeah. And I think Naughty Dog doesn't want us to focus too much on them because they're not the point. And we get we their relationship, while a little underdeveloped, still has its depth and still has its layers that you could think about if you wanted to. But that's not the relationship that they're putting the magnifying glass over. It's um, Ellie and Joel. Well, the one thing I would say is I, I would think Naughty Dog would have wanted to uh, show any relationship that Joel would have. Um, and put it under the magnifying glass because that informs his relationship with Ellie in a way. True. True. What makes his relationship with Ellie so special that he doesn't have with, I mean, Tess is definitely younger than him. I would say. I think Tess seemed to be about what his daughter's age would be then. You think? Yeah. That, that's why I was wondering what, what the relationship was. with that. Yeah. So, so could you say then, and I'm, I'm flying off the handle here. These are things I've never thought of until just now. So thanks guys. Um, could you say then that Tess was the initial replacement for his daughter and or attempted, attempted, but she didn't meet the certain and her, her death was the main reason that her wishes were, were, were granted to take care of Ellie and, and take her to where she needs to be. It was simply that he saw it as another daughter dying and therefore was much more closed off to Ellie moving forward until, unfortunately for her, she pushed the limit and uh, gained his fatherly love, unfortunately for her, which is hilarious to say yeah. and think about. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's weird for me. I didn't get that vibe from their relationship. Now, it's, granted, it has been a while since I played the game, um, but I kind of viewed it more as kind of like I said. I, not Once I said what I said a couple minutes ago, I feel like it really was more of just a, like a friendship out of convenience or what did you say, Colin, kind of survival. Um, yeah, they do it to survive. Like a mutual, yeah. m- mutually beneficial sort of relationship or kind of symbiotic relationship. So I, I don't know. I, I might have to go back and kind of reevaluate those scenes in the beginning of the game but i'm also just postulating yeah it did it didn't really seem father daughter-esque well to me i I almost kind of feel like joel intentionally for that span of time from when his daughter dies and the outbreak begins to where he meets ellie he's he's extremely damaged and he's purposely trying to not make that connection and I feel like when he meets Ellie and they kind of embark on this cross-country journey, he's really hesitant to it at first. And I think he doesn't want to let himself fall into that trap. But over the course of their experiences together, he does. And he's hesitant and resistant to it at first. But there's a di- there's definite points in the story where you can see that switch flipping. And then that's where we're led to the extreme in the ending, um, which... I'm sure we'll talk about more too, but I think that that's what makes the game work is that it's, even though it is this kind of cross country, it's it's a road movie is what it is. I mean, that's, that's, they're going from one place to the next. They framed it to where they're heading West. I mean, it's a classic kind of setup, but what works so well is because they, they take the, what we say a minute ago, the magnifying glass approach and they really focus on their relationship and how it develops and how their relationship is strengthened through the experiences that they face all the way up till when it's tested and strained at the very end. Uh, yeah. So let's analyze the, uh, I'm jumping back to the very end again. My apologies, but that's fine. um, So after, after Joel wakes up and finds out what the true purpose, are you saying Joel, Joel, it's okay. You did say Joel, but that is another way to pronounce it. Joel. No, I can't, I can't even do it. Okay. We're not picking on you. No, I was just—it was an honest question. Joel. Uh, uh, so Joel uh, wakes up in the hospital, finds out what the true purpose of Ellie is, why he had to bring her to the Fireflies. Um, he lies to her uh, when he gets her out of there, and uh, she comes to, and he's like adamant that she can't know what was going to happen to her. Why do you think he did that? Would he just make like their entire journey? Because uh, he he knows what she would think he knows already what she would say she was determined to find the cure no matter the cost because ellie is a more reasonable and level-headed person than joel is because she would willingly sacrifice her life if it meant that the world could be saved and now like i don't want to get into this until the end but remind me to come back to talk about like setup for the sequel and stuff. sure yeah yeah but she he he knows for a fact that he knows what he did was wrong that's what makes him a monster he's not some sympathetic like oh this poor guy he's so broken no he knows what he did was wrong and that's the biggest reason why he didn't tell her because she wouldn't accept him then she'd kick him to the curb which was against the whole point of saving her to begin with because he wants to he he decided he wanted he wanted to keep her he wanted, he wanted to keep his daughter. Well, that's, that's interesting. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's honestly that 
that just brought up the huge point is that okay at the end he really is a monster because this is all about joel yes now nothing to do with ellie he, he, he really in his mind he gives he cares about ellie as it serves him mm-hmm. the reality of ellie doesn't matter what she really wants and how she really feels he doesn't care about that's a very good point and he's well, he's no better than the hunter in in during winter i forget the guy's name but um he's the hunter who ellie encounters um who nolan north was that him? Yeah, it was, oh, it wow. was Nolan North. Uh, Sorry, I have it. David. David, who, you know, implies he's going to rape her. And it's an implication. And so you have this this guy who is who's physically threatening her well-being. And then you have Joel who who emotionally threatens her well-being and mentally and and maybe even physically by even keeping her by even having himself around her, because we've seen what kind of a psychotic mess this dude is. He's this is just another case of of Ellie continuing to be controlled by men that are, quote unquote, stronger than her, which is silly because she's stronger than all of them. But combined, just not physically, unfortunately, although she kicks David's ass. So, <laughs> yeah, and then some. Well, that, so that's the thing. Looking at that ending, that is the biggest sin that Joel could commit in that moment is the lie. Is mm-hmm. when he lies to her and he deprives Ellie of her own free will mm-hmm. and of her choice and then establishing, you know, hey, look, kiddo, here's your choice. And either they're going to operate on you, you're not going to make it, but humanity has a chance, or you can leave with me right now. We'll kick the doors down. I'm going to kill everybody. We'll go back to, you know, Uncle Tommy's farm or whatever <laughs> community and you know live out our lives but we're pr- humanity's probably doomed somewhere that ending exists but it's a a worse story because i feel like in showing that joel really is this well i mean you say monster i say he's he's human i mean that's the thing like that character to me and I've played a lot of games and I've consumed a lot of media and movies and books and game, you know, everything. He's human. He's flawed. And in that case, I mean, we can all sit there and say, well, if I was at the end of the world and I was put in an extraordinary situation like that, I would do the right thing. 100% of the time, I would do the right thing. Who knows? Actually, there's a test for that. Did you kill the doctors? I did not kill the doctors. You didn't kill the doctors. No. Did you kill the doctors? You didn't. Interesting. I know you. You let's played. It's fine. We can say it. You're busy. You have. Did, you have kids. Did the person you watched kill? The yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he murdered everybody for sure. Right. And how did how, how did that make you feel? Um, I felt like I was like, oh, what a waste. He went, <laughs> he went to school for so long. God, the, the way well, they, the way the, you said that, I, that's the thing, though. So think about that. You're literally at the end of the world, and here's the two remaining doctors, the two remaining, you know, medical doctors that are trained to do any sort of medical work or you know to help people in this post-apocalypse. And you have the option to either kill them or not kill them. Now, I didn't kill them in my playthrough um, because I, I just thought it would tonally was just kind of off. Like, no, why would you kill? There's no reason to do that. Mm-hmm. But you have the option to. 
And I feel like giving that player that agency in that moment kind of even makes the character more well-rounded or I, what's about to happen even more well-rounded. I did kill him, killed the doctors. I killed, killed them all. I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. They're like animals. And I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. Um, I did it the first time. So this time I did it because it's... The way I play games is different than I, the way I play games in 2013. When I, you know, I invest myself fully at this point because I, I, I have to. Like, I can't be jumping around from video game to video game to video game. Like, if I'm playing a video game, like, I start it and I will finish it. And I'm in that mindset from beginning to end. So this time around, I did it because I just felt like that's what Joel would do. But I look back at my decision in the first playthrough... And I didn't, it wasn't a mindset, it was a reaction. It was an immediate reaction that I was just like, okay, bye, bam, 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 and that was that. And it's it's one of those things where it kind of, like, I don't mean to like be like, pretentious be like i'm afraid of myself because that's not the case but you do you you brought up the question of would you how far would you go if you were in that position and i think i've i'm i'm kind of ashamed to say i probably would be in a lot more like joel than i'd like to say i would be you know it just is what it is and that's a once again one of the great things about this game is it turns that mirror on you and you know this could be you in in the most extreme circumstances, you know, Joel was a normal guy before all this. Mm -hmm. And it he was Neil Druckmann likes to talk about the cycle of violence in humanity. His his cycle of violence began with the gunshot that took his daughter's life. And that's what what began turning the wheel for him. And there was no stopping it at that point. He was going to spread that hurt. The hurt the wow. The infection is not the cordyceps; it's the hurt that they ca that we caused, the humans caused. Sure, and you know that may go back to that's that kind of is the story of all zombie stories. I think at the end of the day, is that the zombies aren't the zombies; the humans are the zombies. But I think this one really amplifies that tone because of how violent the game is. It, it really puts you in the position to kind of spread as much blood bloodshed as you can. And it creates and, and you see that cycle of violence continuing into Ellie like Joel put that in her. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he gave her the gun. <laughs> like, he said, here you go. And granted, it's for her survival, but he literally hands her the gun to kill people like he's literally spreading his violence to her at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, she's. Think about it, too. I, there's another point I want to make, but just what you just said made me think about this. When she kills, I want to call him Nolan North, but what's the character's David. name? David. When she kills David, that. she doesn't just kill David. She, she could have killed David. She bludgeons David to death, you know, till there's nothing left. So to, to that point, too, I think you can kind of see some of that violence or the cycle of violence manifest. What I was going to say I think that's the real genius of the, the ending. I mean, we focused a ton on the ending, but I feel like that really is the game. I think everything Absolutely. is building up to that ending. And if if you didn't have those pieces in place, the ending wouldn't be as impactful as it ultimately is. But I think that's part of the genius of how they set up Joel's character. Because in some ways, 
you want to just jump to saying, oh, well, yeah, he's a monster and oh, you know, that's horrible that he did that and everything else. But when you think about it, you're at, we keep saying you're at the end of the world. You're in these extreme dire circumstances and someone who I think was at a point, they're so emotionally shattered and jaded, never thought that they would form a human connection like that again, or care about anything again, or love something again, finds themselves in a position where they, they have that, they feel that they think, you know, at that point, it may be reciprocal thing because certainly their relationship up to that point is heading in that way. So it's, you got to think like just to play devil's advocate from his perspective. I, I think like, what you were saying, Ben, he knows that what he's doing is wrong in one way, shape, or form, but I think he's allowing himself to justify his actions. He is and, allowing. And Sorry. that's the reason that at the end when he, he – I call it the lie. I've called it the lie since I first beat the game, but that is the tragedy. And and that – when when he told that lie, I think I remember gasping just – Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those like – because you want better for the character. You almost expect better for the character. You expect some honesty and some truth. And look, you, you've both been through hell and back. At least be honest and at least, you know. And it was that look on Ellie's face when, because she knows, she sees right through it. She knows it's bullshit. She knows he's lying. And I think she expects better from him in that moment. And when he just can't be honest with her. It's just a crushing blow. And that's what made that end of The Last of Us so effective for me was that. Yeah, it's not a happy ending at all. No. You know, it's a, it's a tragedy, really. Yeah, I can. F- Sorry. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, to the point that you're trying to make about, you know, yeah, I could totally see myself if I was going down this path, you know, the sort of uh, psychic uh, sort of uh, damage that would be in enacted on me by losing a child uh is unfathomable you know that is like you know an unfathomable thing and so like what can you say a character would do given those circumstances yeah they probably become a monster and and i and the idea is that you travel along with his character and see that they do become a monster but humans become monsters all the time that doesn't make them not human it makes them human you know that makes them human is that they become monsters sometimes you know and life life is not easy and life is not ordered uh so everything can be perfect and we're all the good guys in our stories sometimes we become monsters and so that's what i feel like joel becomes is that like you have this violence enacted on you and your family and you lose your child what do you do at that point i mean most most Parents can't understand what they would do if they lost a child. They just don't. They they don't fathom it because it's kind of a self-defense mechanism. Like, don't think about that. Don't mm-hmm. think about that because, you know, that's the sort of thing that makes you psychotic, you know? <laughs> and so I think Joel kind of becomes that. He be, kind of becomes that horrifying hell, you know, that he's going through that you don't see outwardly, but the sort of hell that he's going through that forms him into this monster. And he sort of rationalizes doing all these horrible things to, and I'm going to be honest, psychologically, he's doing horrible things to Ellie. Yes, absolutely. He's doing horrible absolutely. things to her. You, you know, you, when you're initially playing it, let's say 13 year old Ben is playing it. He sees him as, you know, the protector, the father, you know, the, the person that's, you I know, helping 21. them. 
Wait, what? I was 21. You were... Oh, shoot. Shit. <laughs> you were born in 2000? What? <laughs> so anyway, when little old Ben... Ben Young... Little little old 21 year old Ben Young. Hey guys, wanna go to the bar? <laughs> With his lollipop and stockings and curly curls. <laughs> 21 year old Ben. But, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Wow, that was fucking weird. Um, yeah, we're old. Yeah, fuck, dude. <laughs> but little, little, little twenty-one-year-old man's gung ho about it is yeah. what you were saying. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't fully understand that what he's doing for Ellie is really bad—a right. bad thing. Honestly, most people would probably not understand that from what we're talking about. You know, they probably wouldn't understand honestly the point in that. You know, the fact that we're analyzing it kind of shows that. Yeah, yeah, people become monsters because of extenuating circumstances, and it's not, it doesn't, it's not, does not justify the actions. Uh, you know, we, we do these horrible things to each other because we become monsters, and that's what Joel became. Yeah, uh, when I was young, you know, I've changed a lot since 2013. I've changed a lot. So I might as well have been a little 13-year-old Ben with my little propeller hat and my, <laughs> my lollipop. I may as well have been because I, I'm, I'm a very, I like to think at least that I'm a very different person from who I was when I was 21. But uh, I knew it was bad anyway. I knew the lie was bad because it was. I mean, like I said, it's tough to find someone to defend his actions. Um, but over time, and just to show you like how this game has stuck with, it was stuck with me, because there, there isn't a month that goes by because I don't want to over-exaggerate, so, like, a month that goes by that I don't think about this game. It, it sticks with me forever. And over time, it kind of dawned on me how bad it was. Like, it got worse and worse and worse. And then I, I went back and finally replayed it for the first time since 2013, because I, I don't have time to play video games, but I was able to do it. And um, it, it's, uh, it, it's crazy. It's... I forgive Joel for for every kill, for every um, broken relationship, for every bad thing he's done to other people in the name of enacting this hurt that's been placed upon him. I don't forgive him for what he did to Ellie at the end. Because, you know, you, you say, like, you know, playing devil's advocate, Jason, you... you and I'm not like calling you out here, but it's I don't think there is a devil as devil's advocate for him. I think any way you look at it like, yeah, he's a bad guy. But you shouldn't bad guy even even bad guys have a limit. He's not just, you know, he's taking away agency. Is really all this comes down to this is a story of 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 a man taking away a girl's agency and her autonomy. And there's no forgiveness for that. No matter how broken you are, I don't care about, you know, what girl harmed you to make you an incel. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but the point stands, Uh right? Like, I mean, to that, to that. So I don't think you can justify what he did, but I think that that perspective was what, Naughty Dog was trying to take to make that character more interesting and more complex. Sure, and you can understand why he exactly. Did it like so Absolutely. you know, when I say devil's advocate, I think you know the perspective you could take is well, okay, you 
there's certainly moments where Joel's character kind of grows throughout the story and you you like his character at certain points. Yeah. He's doing despicable things. But again, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I could forgive everything he did because you could also swing it, swing the pendulum towards survival, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're in this brutal world and it's kill or be killed. It really is. So from them leaving kind of the East Coast where they were at and working their way west, it all kind of makes sense in that context of survival until the hospital. And then at that point on, from the rest of the story, it, it does. That that is the limit. That's the line that is crossed. And then from that point on, you, you can't justify it. But I think the fact that you think about it and you think if you can justify it or not is the true success of the story and of Joel as a character. I think that's why you see Joel on the list of 15 or 20 best video game characters of all time. He's usually pretty up there. Yeah, absolutely. And as as well as Ellie. Usually it's Joel and Ellie, you know, uh, and I think rightfully so, because I think they're both interesting characters with a lot to say. Um, a lot to say about the human condition, really. Um one thing I had to get in there, too, just because uh, it, it ties into what we're talking about right now, but um, just the, the way that they f- they bookend the game, the way that the beginning sequence with his daughter mirrors the ending sequence in the hospital. I don't know if he, any of you guys picked up on that, but basically, if you think about the beginning where he's carrying his daughter and they're going through everything, and then at the end, he's carrying Ellie and they're going through the hospital... They did that purposely to kind of bookend where that character's at. So in one, he's a victim and he's just trying to kind of, you know, survive, stay alive. And in another one, he's actively kind of taking taking charge of the situation, although I think we would all agree kind of in a destructive way. But it was interesting to me that at one point, to our point, we're talking about the monsters are enacting this kind of violence on him. And in the next sequence, he is the monster and he's the one enacting the violence on everyone else. So it's almost kind of this really cool mirror bookend scene 20 hours later. And, and to me, that really stuck with me. That's kind of what I think about yeah. 10 years later or whatever. Six years, nine years. I don't even know. Six years. I'm like 40 now. So <laughs> you've always been 40, Jason. Actually, I certainly I, look it. Actually, I, just, I just saw a picture today of a senior yearbook picture of Jason. And it, my God, there's, no, real there's no beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very weird. short. I've had a beard since I could grow a beard. Since so you took when, that I could, picture. when it all filled in, it hasn't been bare since. I got news for you. Oh, boy. Um, One other thing. So I know, I know we're getting close to time, but you wanted to talk about, which I, I do want to talk a little bit about the sequel here. Yeah. But there's one thing I wanted to kind of build into is like a little bit of a bridge. And I'm sure you could. Being a Naughty Dog fan, you probably would have a lot to add to this. Sure. I know we both at multiple times tried to get Colin to play through the Uncharted games, and I think you finally successfully got him to, which is great. Yeah. He even played Lost Legacy, right? No. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool for me because we have these developers that we really like in the video game sphere. I think everyone in this room is a big gamer. I know I certainly am. And we have these developers that really kind of push the boundaries as far as gameplay goes. So like you look at your back in the day, I know this is controversial now, but like your Biowares or like uh, 10, 10 years ago, then you look at like uh, your Bethesda 10 years ago 
And then you look at like your CD Projekt Red now, you know, where they're really pushing the limits of, in a lot of ways, certain aspects of narrative, but really like gameplay and what what they're allowing you to do, the freedom of the world, the way you can interact with the world. But then you have a few other developers where they're really pushing story presentation technology i feel like that's like your rock stars you know that's like red dead 2 or you know those games that really make you kind of go whoa holy shit how, how did they do this you know just with like the narrative like said the technology all that so it's been really interesting for me to watch naughty dogs kind of ascension here because i remember playing crash bandicoot back in the day and then you start you know seeing oh okay well this playstation one launch game called uncharted well that seems kind of cool let me play that you know and i played those games out of order so my first uncharted was two so i played two then i played one then i played three and what i think is interesting is uncharted had a really good story but it was like the ultimate indiana jones movie right so as like a pulp piece of storytelling in game form the presentation was like nothing else we had seen. You know, it was the most movie-like thing I think I'd come to see from a game, maybe except for like a Kojima game or something like that. But for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons, like a Kojima game, as much as I love him. So, like I mentioned, I think at the beginning of the podcast, The Last of Us was this like paradigm shift where all of a sudden now, I think that's one of the biggest contenders or biggest names you see thrown out in the games as art argument. It's it's Last of Us. That yeah. was like all of a sudden now you've got like the Citizen Kane for games is the Last of Us. And I think rightfully so and deservedly so. But it was interesting to me to see then, you know, having been a fan of the Uncharted series and those games being kind of fun and, you know, whatever presentation really knocking your socks off. And then Last of Us being like this, you know, this Oscar best picture worthy sort of game if there ever was one and then seeing them go back to the uncharted series you could totally see the progression in uncharted 4 yes. uncharted 4 was a game that was made by the team that made last of us and you could tell because uncharted 4 was a lot longer of a game the pacing was a lot slower it was a lot heavier thematically and you know that game wasn't anywhere near as grimdark as parts of last of us were but you could see them really kind of raising their game as they go so now here we are and their next project is last of us 2 and i was one of those folks that after the last of us said doesn't need a sequel don't yes. want to see it don't want to see it don't it's, make it i won't play it well he it's, even refused to make one until he said there was a he wasn't going to tell the same story it was going to be something different it's a perfect ending it's hurts and it makes you want more but it's makes you understand that there doesn't need to be more you know you want yeah like sure we all want to see ellie drive the knife into joel's chest at some point but i was hardcore against it from the very from the moment it was announced i was like no 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 and then we saw gameplay <laughs> yeah well i i certainly didn't think it needed to be made and was vehement. I remember because my sister is a huge fan of all the uh, Naughty Dog games too. And she played it and we just discussed it at length. And it was like, yeah, I, I don't want it. I don't want to see it. And if they do it, it's going to be, you know, they're cashing in and blah, blah, blah. You know, that was my take on it. And then I remember, and I think I talked about this too. We, we discussed it with something else, but my like guilty pleasure 
is watching the reveal videos from like you know conferences or like conventions or whatever i have that shit on live stream bro (laughs) when it's something people really want to see i get caught up in the enthusiasm of other people so when like it was uh, oh that was it it was the obi-wan thing when we were discussing that when it's like it's you know he walks out and oh hey kathy you know whatever and Ewan McGregor drops the mic and then the crowd just goes absolutely bonkers apeshit because it's such a cool moment. And for me, I have that same feeling when they announced Last of Us Part 2 with that first trailer where uh, a older Ellie is, you know, probably real time older Ellie from the last game. It is six years later. Yeah, is sitting on the bed playing acoustic guitar. You know, she's got a tattoo now. Definitely seems older, kind of bloodied and battered. There's dead people on the floor you're like okay what what's going on and like it just it resonated with me i got goosebumps and what a cool what a cool like moment and and i feel like if they're approaching the trailer with that level of care and they're treating it as delicately as they did then they i think have reverence for what they've created and i don't think that they would do it if they didn't think they could at least live up to it i agree i think um this the over time i've grown more to appreciate that there is a story to be told there and it's a story of redemption for a girl who doesn't need to earn it but definitely needs it for herself you know she i i I, I hope to God this is not going to be another sad ending. Um, things I, I'm almost certain of going into it. I'm certain Joel's dead already. I'm, I'm certain that, and you know, this is all speculation, but it's, and we don't want to speculate on here, Overlord. But the point is that I want her to be able to stop the cycle. I want her to be able to look at it and say no. And and we have plot details now. We understand the point of the story, which, like, can I say? It's like... Yeah, I don't here? care. It, it, the plot details are that a, um, a, a woman who Ellie has begun to form a relationship with uh, is, is uh, attacked when she's attacked. We aren't really sure of her outcome, but we learned that this is at uh, Tommy's place, by the way, Tommy's town. Um, so Boulder, Boulder City, I think it was. And uh, they are attacked on a salvage run and Tommy is taken. Uh, Tommy is taken by this group of we're not really sure who they are. Uh, and Ellie goes off looking for him and for vengeance against these people who attacked her and her romantic interests. Um, And that's really what we have. So automatically that sets the stage for uh, a damaged Ellie who is probably damaged. I would assume at this point knows what Joel did. You said it yourself. She, she saw through the lie. We all did. Well, we knew, but you know, it wasn't a very convincing lie and uh it sets the stage for a damaged person to only continue to spread that damage the same way joel did and i that's not the story i want to see because we saw it already 
Absolutely. I no, I, I couldn't it. agree with you more. I want to see how someone stops it. I want to see how someone looks at everything telling them to bring the hammer down and her going, no, you know. Yeah, but because we'll see. and I think it's interesting because even in the, the trailers that have been released so far, I think in that uh, the, the acoustic guitar trailer, um, she says she's going to kill them all or something like that. I'm going to kill every last one of them. And to that end, I feel like that almost is what I hope is kind of a, a a red flag or like a red herring towards what's actually going to happen in this story, because I truly do hope that it is that breaking the cycle type story. And I don't necessarily, I don't think, and I don't know how they're going to handle Joel's character. Again, we don't want to speculate, but my hope would be they're not going to, they're not going to give him the easy way out. I, I don't want her to forgive him, but I also don't want her to feel like she needs to get revenge on him or, you know, like, no. I, I know you didn't mean it literally, but like the plunge in the knife in his heart, I, I feel like by what he did, if we come to find that their relationship was, and you could tell from that last minute of Last of Us 1, that their relationship from that point on was going to be strained because of the disconnect that now exists between them. If that led to Joel then not getting what he wanted, then I think that's ultimately the worst thing that could happen to him. I think that's worse than death for him. So whether or not he is dead or he's alive, or I know we saw him in a, a one of the more recent trailers. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I don't yeah. know, but I think. If they can even live up to, you know, <laughs> half of that original story's power, it'll be the best game that comes out next year. And just to kind of like even continue the, the discussion of the violence and the hurt we we spread, uh, Naughty Dog's boasting uh, in their latest gameplay demo that all NPCs will now be named. And if you uh, kill one or take them out, uh, I believe they said you don't have to kill this time around. You can you can choose to knock people out. Oh, I didn't hear that, but that's I, great. But I could be wrong. I, I could be misremembering something. But regardless, if you take a, an NPC out of combat, uh, their friends will call out to them by name. And it just kind of adds that layer of realism to the to the hurt you're spreading. And I think that's Billy. <laughs> Billy, where are you? Billy, where are you at? <laughs> little, little Billy. No. Actually, actually, Naughty Dog just just released this. Every single NPC has a family that needs to be fed and taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> and every time you kill an NPC, um, they go on federal assistance. And that <laughs> I think I thought you were going to say every NPC was going to be named Billy. <laughs> Billy, the meatloaf's they, ready. Their budget, their budget was really low <laughs> holy shit um all right well unless anyone has any final thoughts i guess we can go around the table now and say good sci-fi bad sci-fi oh ben's raising i his do hand. have one final thought and i'll make it quick because i know we want to wrap it up but i wanted to say this going back to what jason was talking about where the naughty dog team and how the last of us is considered art and then uncharted 4 came about and people look at it and they're like, wow, that's that team learned all that and grew this way because I, I flip flop between Uncharted 4 and Uncharted 2 is my favorite Uncharted. But that's a whole other thing. Me too. 
But I also want to say... A maturity level for that wasn't there in the previous games, so... Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. But Uncharted 2 is also... Anyway. Um, Pure spectacle. In but a good also, way. We, when we talk about art and games now, we also have the privilege, and this is stepping away from sci-fi, but it is praising a technology, so we're gonna... I, I'd like to take this minute to do so. We also have God of War um, on PS4. That's what I... Hmm? So I also say... Uh, Troy Baker is also in God of War. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's everywhere. Um, and I think that the testament to these games and what makes them so great and so loved is relationships. Um, God of War, it's between Kratos and Atreus. In uh, Uncharted, it's between Nathan and Sam. And of course, Nathan's had other relationships in the first three, but I don't think any as deep as the ones they ex- the one they explored with him and Sam. And then, of course, Last of Us, Joel and Ellie. But it's also about our relationships with the world around us, where uh, Nathan's impact on his on his treasure hunting, his impact on the people he loves around him, and his impact on the world around him, and in how he damages the world through all this, and you know, chooses to at the end take a step back from it. Um, Joel's impact, obviously, as we've discussed in great extent, and then of course Kratos's impact. Um, we all know. I mean, if you don't know God of War, and I don't, I can't summarize it. I don't have the time, but it's huge, and his past continues to echo his way throughout the game, and it's just a statement of how these stories resonate with us and how powerful they are, because we and and other gamers listen to these stories and and watch these stories and love these stories. But then don't treat each other with the same lessons they've learned playing them. They learned them. And this, is the, and this isn't just gamers. This is people. People in general. People learn these lessons through all these media forms of, of hurt that is spread. And it doesn't stop. And it won't ever stop unless we choose to stop it. it has, someone has to put their foot down at some point and say, enough. And no one seems to be learning that lesson. It's getting worse today. And I don't want to get I don't want to get on a pedestal and like and like hold my sign up. But it's 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 awful out there. It's bad. People are hostile nonstop. You know, I, I, I live on Facebook. It's my job and I can't get off of it. I wish I could, but it's my job. And people are are awful to each other everywhere. And they are, are have these knee-jerk reactions that just insult people and, and, and name-call. And it's, you know, yeah, we're not beating each other with sledgehammers and axes, but you think that we should take something away from these stories that we praise. So that's just something that I wanted people to ponder and think about. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that, too. Obviously, we won't talk about it, but I'm about 10 hours into Death Stranding. And the whole game so far seems to be about exactly what you just said. Well, great. So kind of interesting and and topical. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for letting me get on my pedestal. Oh, no problem. That's good. It was very, very good. Thank you, Ben. I wish wish people would do that more often on this cast. It's good stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You should pay us more. Yeah. (laughs) We're trying. (laughs) Yeah. Please, please review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> um, please, God. Oh, All right, let's go around the table I need real quick. formula. Uh, 
<laughs> so we're gonna set up that Patreon so you can get Bill that formula. Um, hey. Let's go on the table, starting with Jason. So I think you know, obviously, uh, this is one that it's very easy for me to speak very passionately on. I haven't played the game in probably five years. I, I didn't play it, you know, in this recent kind of round of free games or whatever. But it stuck with me. I remember it. I remember the whole story. I remember the plot. I remember the characters. I remember everything that happened with the game. And that's powerful. I feel the same way about the best movies, about the best sci-fi that we've discussed on this podcast. Um, I think in any medium, not just as I, I wouldn't call The Last of Us just a great sci-fi game. I would call it a great piece of art, a great work. Um, I think it examines a lot of the same kind of ground, common ground that we find in the sci-fi that we know and love, uh, movies, whatever, TV shows. Um, I'd hold it right up there. I, I certainly think that it has done a lot in the time since it's come out to kind of put itself on that pantheon. Um, certainly it's up there towards the top in games. And I think as time goes on, um, I think a lot has to do with how the second part is kind of received and what it does to the story. Hopefully it doesn't hurt anything retroactively, but I think that held on its own. Great sci-fi doesn't, doesn't get any better. I think we've just to touch on that. I think we've come to a point where even though sequels can be made for things and they could be bad or not as good, we could still look at those original works as something that stands alone on their own. Is something mm. good. So I would, I partially agree. I think there are certain things I've, scene where depending on how they frame it it can either enhance what came before if you're a person that like me i'm a continuity freak so if you make something and it's considered canon or it's part of the story i consider it part of the story so it's kind of hard for me to remove myself which is partly why i think i'm i've got a lot now riding on my investment in last of us part two i want it to be a home run for naughty dog i want it to be the second coming i want it to be incredible and i want it to be a great story and i think keeping expectations in check it's it's going to do it it's going to live up to it i think it's going to so great sci-fi amazing sci-fi magnanimous mag that is the first time we've gotten a magnanimous on sci-fi cross sections you heard it here first probably not Uh, i was gonna say that doesn't really fit but okay all right Uh, i'm gonna look it up now i'm gonna say that you guys have convinced me that it is good sci-fi um, I I wanted to come into this with an open mind on that regard. I didn't want to just straight up say that's not sci-fi. It's it's horror. That's not sci-fi. No, it's good. I like it. Um, the story is amazing. Um, I am excited to see where they go from here. Uh, I do believe that um, Druckmann said he didn't want to do it until he had a story worthy of telling, and he feels he took his time with it. He didn't rush the story out. So. If he feels it's ready, let's see what happens. Bill. I thought from what I saw uh, that uh, I thought it was an interesting setting. I thought it was a great setting. I think that's a big part of sci-fi is that uh, post-apocalyptic and believable science being in there and making us question. I don't believe, I believe that the story itself was a great character drama. And... um. You know, it's hard It's hard for me to remove myself from this because it's like I see, you know, great sci-fi as, uh, you know, amazing stories about, you know, 
artificial intelligence or space travel or whatever, you know, like the classic idea of science fiction. But this is a, you know, post-apocalyptic world that was caused by a scientific concept that, and I appreciate that fact. Um, but the story is so damn good and compelling that it's hard to not give it at least a good. I think it's a good sci-fi because it makes you feel things and think about things in extreme circumstances, which is what sci-fi is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you think if I were in this situation, what would I do or what would the world be like? So I think in that way, it's, it's good sci-fi. Fair point. Cool. I think, um, everything I wanted to say, Jason said better. So, <laughs> um, not that I'm saying that, uh, I'm like, damn, I don't have anything to say. I'm just, you, you said it great. Like it's a few things stick with me as long as this game has and few games in general have ever had this impact. And even still, I'm spoiled by this game. Like I'm, I'm, I play other video games and I enjoy them and I'm happy with them, but. No, nothing ever feels the same anymore. Nothing ever in that first me. playthrough. Yeah. And so it's it's tough to describe the kind of impact it could have on you. Um, I'm not saying it would on everyone, but I think it's as you said, I won't. I, I think magnanimous is insane. I think I think that needs to be reserved for. It actually, uh, magnanimous would not be a good descriptor for sci-fi. <laughs> I was shooting from the hip with the big words there. <laughs> it's very generous to its opponents. Well, I would say, though, in a way, it may not be magnanimous sci-fi, but Naughty Dog was magnanimous in creating okay. The Last wow. of Us and giving it to us as consumers. Go. Wow, he's serious. That's what I meant the first time around. Oh, of course he did. That's what I meant the first time around. Um... <laughs> But it's great. It's amazing. It's it's uh, I I've I've never had the same outlook as sci fi as Bill has where it was. It has to involve like your classical sci fi elements. I've always thought sci fi can go farther than that and deeper than that. I'd consider like the Book of Eli sci fi. That was a random like pulled from the brain. But no. Like that was the Bible. And and these kinds of stories, if they are continued to ex be explored and continue to be pushed, I think can really tell more great stories that hopefully will get people to start listen listening. So amazing sci-fi. <gasps> Mad Max. We should do Mad Max. I've been pushing for that for years now. Yeah, I just thought about that. Uh, well, we got a lot of things to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you are just finding us now, don't forget to subscribe on whatever the hell you're listening to us on seriously though if you can um on apple podcast please uh rate us leave a review that is very important for the growth of this podcast we can continue doing this uh bring you more meaningful what did i say the first time we came back hard content mm -hmm. the we the hard content so uh, anyways thank you uh next week we uh should be bringing to you Alita, Alita Battle, Battle Angel. Angel. Yep. We decided so, to we had a little bit of an off week and decided to just kind of throw back and take a look at uh, big old anime eyes. Big, big old anime eyes. You know have every, you guys watched it yet? So every time no, I've seen a scene, like when it first came out you on video, seen it yet either? there was like extended scenes on Facebook that people would just post. And I was like, this is an impressive looking movie. 
It's like a lot of the I can't wait to talk I, about I it. wanted to see it. I just so, never got to. So um, I'm going to save it for the cast, but okay. I, I am very save excited to talk about it. Okay. All right. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you. And until next time. And whoever left us that three-star review, we appreciate and respect your opinion. But if you could leave us some actual feedback to tell us how we could continue to grow, that'd be great. Thanks. Bye. Adios.